Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. This is Dave Lorenzo, and today we have an outstanding guest for you. In fact, I'm, I've been looking forward to this show all week, actually since last week, and here's the reason why. We're speaking with Orly Waba, and she is kind of the dean of kindness. Orly is the founder of the global nonprofit Life Vest Inside. She's a kindness expert. She's an educator, best-selling author, entrepreneur, and keynote speaker. She inspires audiences to take action. Her talks and workshops provide the groundwork for lasting change, and they motivate people to become the best versions of themselves so that they can influence the world for good. She draws from her personal journey as well as groundbreaking science and her signature wit, which I've also just experienced in the, in the pre-show conversation. She's truly an inspiration and she wants to help all of us tap into the power of kindness. And it is the most unutilized, underutilized skill in today's world. Through her talk, Orly demonstrates how kindness and a simple shift in perspective can alter the way our per a person connects with themselves and the world around them. I'm gonna have Orly start off by telling us her whole story, but if you're multitasking, you're gonna wanna stop and sit back and listen because this show is definitely going to not only make your day, it'll make your week, and hopefully it'll inspire you to help others. Please join me in welcoming Orly to the Inside BS Show. All right. Dave, thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure. I really appreciate it. All right. That. So, Orly, I, like I said, I've been looking forward to doing this. I did like 10 interviews last week. I did another interview this morning. They're all great. Everybody's terrific. But this is the interview that I have circled on my calendar because <laughs> I love kindness. I love gratitude. What, what, what inspired you to make this the central focus of your life at this time? So it's a really good question. I mean, I started the organization. I started LifeFest Inside back in 2011, officially. I was prior to that, I was a middle school teacher for seven incredible life-altering mm -hmm. years. And the concepts of kindness, compassion, empathy, these were concepts I was implementing into my classroom on a daily basis, understanding and recognizing that if we can empower a person to understand their value, soon enough they'll be able to see the value in others. And that's how we can really bring the world to a kinder place. But my backstory, why I got into this, started way, way earlier. We got to go back to four-year-old Orly. You know what I'm talking okay. about? Four-year-old Orly who dreamed of changing the world and would uh, you know, sing the song Heal the World by Michael Jackson at the top of her lungs. And uh, you know, when you're a four-year-old kid talking about changing the world, people look at you like you're absolutely nuts. And when you're an adult talking about changing the world, they look at you like even more <laughs> crazy. Uh, but really, the passion began from there. I remember my first memories really are from that age and feeling like there was something that I was meant to bring into this world. I didn't know, I didn't know how and I didn't know what, but I knew my why. And I always say that if you know your why, the how and the what is going to find its way mm -hmm. to you. And a lot of it came from, I guess, my dad that was also very, very, he's a very big dreamer and always made me believe that anything that I want to achieve is possible. But I would see what was going on around the world, the, the, the animosity, the hatred, the war. And I didn't understand where it came from. And it, it pained me. And I knew I was meant to do something to bring people together. And taking you a little bit further into my adolescent years, you know, this very, very excited, enthusiastic orderly of wanting to make positive change, 
I was actually a very, very shy kid. A lot of it also had to do with experiences I went through in my middle school years. Middle school's a it's pretty tough time. And, uh, you know, coming into the beginning of my seventh grade year, and suddenly all my friends or people that I thought were my friends in a snap of a finger, completely turning their back on you. So it's like, you know, no, you can't sit here with us at lunch. I'd call people to make plans. I know we're busy. I'd find that they'd all be hanging out. Um, and it felt like I felt very, very, very alone during that time, extremely alone. I was probably in the nurse's office almost every single day, and I just didn't feel like I belonged there. The thing is that those feelings of insecurity, they, they you know, follow you on your journey, and those feelings of insecurity followed me into my high school years. I was the shyest kid you ever would have met. I was that kid that wouldn't even raise their hand in class, but I always loved people. I, was, I always loved people, and I always wanted to give to people. So I was that kid that, you know, if you were absent from school, whether I knew you didn't know you, I was the kid bringing you notes the next day. And moving into my high school years with this tremendous sense of insecurity and this shyness, in my sophomore year of high school, probably the biggest shift happened in my life. It was the hardest experience that happened in my life, but also the greatest gift that could have happened. I know it's gonna sound a little bit weird. It didn't feel like it at the time that it was a gift, you know, but uh, hindsight is 2020. And so in the very beginning of my sophomore year, we had a fire in my house. And overnight, my family lost absolutely everything. Mm. Wow. And it, it does something to you when you're home. You know, it's the place that you go to to escape all the hardships of the world when your home just goes up in flames. And like these memories that you can't really replace are taken. And it wasn't just a fire. And it's not hard for us to understand coming off of a 2020 year. It was one of those years that where when you thought, okay, can't get worse than this, suddenly it got worse. It was this like just ripple effect, sure. this domino effect. Yeah. And my dad had lost his business. And one thing after the next continued to go downhill. And man, I can't explain to you what it what it feels like when you see your parents cry and break down. I mean, it does something to you. It's very hard to explain. But I felt like I didn't want to be a burden on my parents, so I, I kept my emotions hidden from them. And my friends were going through their own stuff, so I kept my emotions hidden from them. But you can't do that for very long until one day I went to bed and I just sort of didn't wake up the next day. I fell into a state of really dark depression. And when I say dark, I mean suicidal dark. Mm. I, was, I was angry at the whole world. I was angry at my family, my friends. I was angry at God. I was just, I was angry. And I never felt more alone. I was home from school for several months, crying most of the day, sleeping the rest of it. But what hurt me the most is that when I was home from school for those months, not one person came to visit. Not one person called to see if I was okay. And that made me feel like, well, if I wasn't here tomorrow, would it actually make a difference to anybody? I mean, would it even matter? And it felt like the answer was no. And I just didn't want to go on. After several months, I was sort of forced to go back to school, but I wasn't like the same kid. I was that kid in the corner, you know, dressed all in black, didn't want to talk to anybody, didn't want to smile about anything. I just, I just wanted the pain to end. I just felt so alone and out of place. Mm. And one not so special day after I was forced to head back to school, I was in the bathroom and I was looking at myself in the mirror. 
getting ready to go to school. I was really looking at myself in the mirror. And the scariest thing happened, Dave. I, I didn't see me. I didn't see that four-year-old orderly that dreamed of changing the world looking back at me. It was like, it was like she was gone, like someone took mm. her. And to be honest, that scared me more than anything. And it was in that moment that I made a promise to myself. And it was a promise that guided me to my amazing years teaching, that guided me to the years with life as inside, and that continues to wake me up every morning and it's gonna guide me to whatever's next that's coming that I don't even know about yet. It was a promise to be there for people the way I wish somebody would have just been there for mm -hmm. me. To see people the way I wish somebody would have just seen me. Because really in this world, that's the thing that we want most of all. And over those next couple of years of high school, I was sort of like walking alone. It's not easy to walk alone in high school. It's hard enough to walk alone across the lunchroom in high sure. school. But it granted me the greatest opportunity in the world, something we don't even get to do as adults. It gave me the chance to fall in love with me for mm -hmm. me. Not because I wanted to impress that guy or the other or wanted to be included in that group. I got a chance to fall in love with me for me. And what I found is I found my voice, that voice that was stuck in there from when I was a four-year-old kid. And in the beginning of my senior year, and this was a huge shift, this super shy kid that wouldn't even raise their hand. We're on a seminar with my friends, you know, with the, with the grade. And we were in a circle and the teacher was talking about obstacles. And I did something I never ever did before. I raised my hand and I had something to share. And the crazy part is these kids, kids that I used to be so super intimidated from were listening to me and then coming to me afterwards and asking me for advice. And what I found is that the more I gave, the more I healed. Mm. The more I gave, the more I healed. I became obsessed in love with this concept and this idea of giving. But what I realized, and this is the big change, is that there are two types of giving in this world. One is really positive and one is actually negative. And I know that sounds crazy. We're sitting and talking about kindness, mm. right? How could there be a negative giving? But you see, there's a giving, giving from strength comes from a place of abundance. You recognize your value, and therefore you can recognize and see the value in others. It's like a candle, right? It can light many other candles, yet it still retains its flame. You're giving and you don't feel like you're being depleted, but giving from weakness sort of feels like sacrifice. Mm. You feel depleted. Sometimes people give from weakness because maybe they want to impress somebody or they want to be included in something or they want to give an impression of something. They're trying to fill some sort of a void. But I always say that after you give, if your giving feels like sacrifice, you need to stop giving outwardly and you need to turn that giving on you. Mm. Because the concept of life vest inside is that kindness, our life vest is inside of us. Mm -hmm. And if we're not afloat, how can we possibly help anyone else? And it was this concept, this concept of empowerment that made me want to go on to that direction of being a teacher to help my students see the beauty in themselves so they could see it in others. Right. It was them that led me to the work I did with Life Fest Inside and to the work I'm doing till this very day. Yeah, that's great. What a great story. Talk a little bit about, so I went to uh, Life Fest Inside. I'm looking to make sure I get it right. LifeFestInside.com. And uh, I love the website. And when you go to the website, I want everybody, if you're listening to this and you're in front of your computer, go to LifeFestInside.com right now. You'll see the background of the homepage is a video of people just doing one act of kindness, small, minor acts of kindness to one another. 
and it just makes you feel so good watching that. And in the pre-show, I said to Orly, there's a, you know, there's a, a like a public service announcement that plays on TV sometimes, and it's similar to that. Talk about uh, talk about that whole concept, and I mean, it just the video is just so powerful and so impactful. Where did that concept come from? Like, what what inspired you? And that's footage that you guys shot yourself and put it on the on the on the video on the website, right? What inspired you to do it? Oh, well, first of all, great question. So that film, what you see on the homepage, are small clips mm -hmm. from the five minute music video called "Kindness Boomerang." This is actually the film that got the organization started. I was a teacher, like I told mm -hmm. you. And I have summers off from teaching. Now I happen to have a background in film production. I went to school for film production. And like I said, these concepts of kindness were things I was always talking about because kindness is the greatest tool to empower a person to recognize their value, wow. right? Makes you feel great, like just like yeah. you said. So I sat down in my summer off from teaching and I started writing down these experiences, small moments from my own life that left an impression on me. You, you know, the scene that you saw on the website, okay? There is a backstory behind every single person you saw, mm -hmm. a full backstory. Now, I said, so I wrote all these different experiences and I picked out the ones that I liked most. And I said, how cool would it be if I could show how one act can lead from one to the next to the next, this ability that it has to, in a sense, boomerang, because the things that we put out into the world do boomerang back to us. But unfortunately, we don't have a camera over our head that's actually allowing us to see mm -hmm. it. Sometimes we don't see it for a day, for a year, for 10 years, sometimes we never ever will see it. But the fact is that it does happen. And so I went ahead and that summer off from teaching, decided to create this film. I was scared out of my mind. It had been seven years since I had touched film. And everyone I knew in my circle told me I was crazy. What are you doing? Wasting your money, doing this film. Who do you think it's gonna reach? You think you can make an impact? All of the discouragement you could possibly imagine was being thrown my way. But like I said, I knew my why. I knew I had to do this. And so I, I shot this film. And after I shot it, went back right to teaching the following week. But that little four-year-old kid started dreaming again, dreaming really big. And I said, Orly, if you believe in this enough, you got to jump in. You got to just take that leap of faith. I loved my job. I wasn't in a dead-end job. I loved it. And so I told the school I'd be taking the following year off to see what would happen if I put my all into this dream. Mm. No one had seen the film, something that most people don't know. No one saw the film for one year. Oh, wow. I shot the film September 1st, 2010. The film only went onto YouTube October of 2011. And at that point, I was no longer a teacher. I started, I started working on this full time September 2011. Put this film online. You have to understand something. I was, a, I was a teacher. I didn't have any background in social media or marketing or business. I was planning to take that year to really learn and build the foundations up. And I put this film up online and within one month, it went crazy viral, reaching over hundreds of millions of people from around the world and sparking what I've come to call the kindness revolution. As you said, there have been many, many films, yeah. iterations of this film that have been created as a result. Um, many people reaching out, sharing, I created my film because of your film and it crazy. I was telling you earlier that Somebody came to, uh, my brother was in a meeting with his business partners and he, they said, oh, we want to show you what our sister did. You know, they're very proud. They want to show you. And they said, his, and his business partner said, stop, whoa, whoa, whoa. I know this film. This was at one of the largest marketing conferences I just went to. They showed this film as an example. And they told me that. I said, what? Seriously? 
how far reaching this film has gone, and the, the lives that it's touched, and it's because just what you said, when you look at the, the small scenes, they're not these huge, ginormous acts of kindness. It's not like you have to jump, you leave your job to do something. You don't have to go, it's not about going to visit an old age home or a volunteer to soup kitchen. Those are fantastic acts of kindness. Sure. But oftentimes the greatest acts are the ones that we have the opportunities to engage in on a daily basis, the ones that are right there in front of us. They're so simple. There's so much within our reach and they make us feel validated for the right reasons, not based on what society tells us should validate us, not based on how much money you got in your bank or how many followers you have on your social media. You know, it's based on just you being you and the impact that you can have on another to bring a smile to their face. Yeah. And that's the greatest validation one can ask for. No, so let me let me tell you a personal story. So we we saw we I had no idea about you or Life Best Inside or anything related to this. And so we had seen my kids watch too much TV. And we had seen um, the a number of times we had seen the I think it's a public service announcement where the people are doing acts of small acts of kindness for each other. And my son is 12 now. This is back when he was like 10. And he um, he so the next time he went to the supermarket with my wife, he had his own list and he said, I want to buy these things. And my mother, my wife said, well, what do you, you know, what do you want these? She's like, he's like, I want these, I just want these snacks. So my wife was like, all right, fine. It was right before uh, summer camp had started. So she figured this is what he wanted to take as a snack to camp every day. So she buys them and he grabs them and throws them on the dining room table, all the bags, opens them up. And it was things like a bottle of water, granola bar, um, baby, a little personal baby wipe packets, um, you know, just a handful of like dry goods, raisins, uh, little snacks. And he's putting them in uh, little Ziploc bags. And my wife is thinking to herself, well, you know, I guess he is, wants to pack his own snacks or whatever for camp. So, okay, fine. So they come to go to camp on the Monday. This is on, over the weekend. They come to go to camp on the Monday, and he's got a you know a, an Amazon box, and he he's he put all this crap in the Amazon, but not crap, but the stuff in the Amazon box, and he brings it to the car. And uh, my wife says to him, "Well, what, do, what are you doing with that box? You only need one snack. You're only going for one day. Obviously, where you come home every night." He's like, "No, no, no. I'll show you what I want to do." So there's a traffic light where we live, and uh, there's a couple of homeless guys that ask for money at the traffic light. So she stops at the traffic light, uh, and he says the windows are locked in the back. And she and she's he says just un undo my unlock my window. And she's like, "What are you doing? I'm not gonna." He's like, "Unlock my window." So the guy comes up to ask for money. He rolls down the window and he gives him the bag of uh, of snacks, and my wife is like dumbfounded. And then the next thing she knows, he reaches outside the car, opens the door, and runs up to the other guy before she could do anything. Then there's, you know, 50 cars in this line waiting to turn at this light, and he runs up to the other guy and gives him a bag. And the cars start honking, and everybody starts waving at him. So now they spent, they spent, they left for camp like 30 minutes early every day. They spent every morning driving around to the different like homeless encampments handing out these bags of snacks and wow. you know and he so for that that inspired that little vignette on tv which you had a part of inspiring yourself inspired my kid who didn't know anything to do 
this stuff, which inspired us as a family. So, you know, this is the kind of thing that is that is contagious. And now here's here's why I think this is so important and it's even more powerful now. We just went through four years and you're, you know, you're from the U.S. You're you're in you're in Israel now, but you're you've spent, you know, your life in the U.S. And, you know, we just we 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 just spent four years really focused on the opposite of kindness. Right. We every day on the news, we were bombarded. I don't care what your political persuasion is. You cannot deny that the last four years we had more than our dose of anti-kindness. The pendulum has swung back the other way. People are so open and so welcoming of this type of a message. Talk to me about how this resonates with people in a business community when you get up in front of business people and you talk talk about this. Well, I'll tell you, you know, kindness, sometimes people utilize the word kindness and, oh, it's this flowery, flowery thing. But there's actually a science behind it, first of all. That when, you, when a person is engaging in active kindness, there's a reason, or when they saw that kindness film, there's a reason why you feel really good inside. I mean, there, there are multiple reasons. Number one, in terms of just increasing your, your level of endorphins and oxytocin, lowering your cortisol levels. I mean, this is proven science mm. that it actually does make a person feel better. And the thing is, when a person is feeling good, the likelihood that they're able to then produce more good increases. What you just said, right, he, your, your son saw this, let's say somebody saw this the film and let's say they created a commercial and then somebody saw the commercial and then they said, you know, I want to do this. And then he went ahead and he gave the, you know, these packets to, to a homeless person. And then one of the people in the cars behind you saw it and said, I'm going to do something else. The concept is like this, when it supercharges people. So when you're coming by somebody and let's say you give, even if you give them a compliment, what you're doing is you're supercharging them. Now that they're supercharged, they have the ability to see another person and supercharge them. And it continues to go from one person to the next, to the next, in a way that you can't even actually imagine the amount of lives of, of people that you've touched just within your everyday, simply by doing one thing, by making a choice. You see, kindness is a choice mm -hmm. and it's a choice that we get to make at every moment. Now, how does this relate to business? Well, think about it like this, you know. At the end of the day, everything comes from the top down, right? So if somebody is, and it, it could be in the positive or from the negative, right? Because like attracts like. So positive energy attracts more positive energy. Negative energy attracts more negative energy, right? If you had, let's say you woke up in the morning and uh, I don't know, you were late, your, your alarm rang late. And as you get into your car, you step in a huge puddle and then you get to late, you get to work late and there's no parking spot. And then you get you're sitting down at nine o'clock in your office and you're like, Oh my God, it's such a bad day. It's going to be such a bad day. What ends up happening? More reasons for it to be a bad day come, come your way. What we have to realize is that every person that we're engaging with, whether it be you know, strangers outside, whether it be people within our work, whether it be people within our school, everybody's going through something. And the choices that we make to engage, to see, right? Because the film Kindness Boomerang is all about seeing. Nobody was talking. To see people or to, you know, turn a blind eye and walk on by, can make all the difference to either supercharge them or to leave them feeling depleted. And so when we think about a business atmosphere, generally a lot of things, they come from the top down. So whoever is there at the head of the, at the, head of the company, the choices that he makes to engage with the people that are right underneath him, and the way in which you give criticism, the way in which you talk to somebody, whether you say hello, whether you smile, whether you acknowledge 
the good work that they're doing, that trickles down from those managers to the people under them, to the people under them, to, custo to customer service, which is talking to your actual client. Think about that. Now, when a person is feeling good about who they are and they're having a fantastic day, all they want to do is make other people feel good. Mm -hmm. And a person that is in, in a place that appreciates who they are, they're going to be more efficient, they're going to be more productive, and they're going to be more loyal to your company. I mean, these are not just things I'm saying. This is proven statistically. If, I, if the place where I'm working really appreciates me, then it's likely that even if another job opportunity came that was maybe paying me a little bit more, but I feel really connected to my colleagues. I feel like my voice is heard. I feel like my work matters. I have added value. I'm less likely to take that other job. Mm. I'm less likely. In, in today's world, we see a lot less loyalty, right? A lot less. There is a lot less customer loyalty or, or, or just company loyalty. Mm -hmm. Well, we have to look at the way in which we're making the people that we're connecting with, how we're making them feel. Because kindness isn't just a checklist item. It's not like, yes, I do kindness only on Mondays and Wednesdays. <laughs> I'm six, you miss me. Call my secretary. She'll find you a spot another two and a half months. From yes, exactly. We're full for kindness. But a lot of us looking like We're all that. full. That's it. I can do, I can do I, no I, more. I, I apologize. You know, I may be free next year. But it doesn't work like it's not a checklist item. It's not, it's not just the volunteering item. It's the simple things. It's the way in which we see the world. But it has to begin with the way in which we see ourselves. Mm -hmm. You see, it's my belief that unkindness exists not because people are bad. I think people are awesome. I do. But if a person doesn't understand the value that they have within themselves, if they don't recognize their value, do you possibly think they can recognize the value of another person? No, they can't. It's it's not it's not po it's just not possible. Yeah. If I don't see that I'm a piece of the puzzle, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm going to see that you're a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Seriously. So a lot of of to do with kindness actually starts internally with us recognizing our inherent value in a world that is sometimes positioned to make us feel like we're not enough, to compare us with others, to make us constantly look outside as opposed to looking inside. You, you're here, you have air in your lungs. That means, Dave, that there's something you're meant to do that no matter what I try to do in my life, no matter what I try to do, I'm never gonna be able to do what you're doing, never. Because there's no extra superfluous people in the world. You're here, there's something you're meant to bring into the world. And if we can engage our, our employees, our colleagues, by simply with just a couple of words, again, somebody can do something wrong, right? They can do something wrong. I'm not trying to say you can't, you can't criticize, but there's a way to give criticism. There's a constructive way to give criticism that that person is now going to be able to take it and still feel connected to what you're doing. So you can make a person feel like garbage, which means automatically they're going to turn off. Are they going to want to be more innovative for your company? Are they going to want to think outside the box? Are they going to want to try and bring up, let's say you, they brought up an idea and it was shot down, or they were made to feel like that was the stupidest thing. You think that they're going to think creatively of other ways or things that they can bring to you? You shut them down. Mm -hmm. Instead, you have to allow people to feel like they are part of what you're building, that they're part of a community. Everybody wants to feel that way. So why is it so easy to take shots at people and it seems so hard to to be kind? Now, the one thing I will say is if you do one act of kindness, it, it becomes addictive and you want to do more. 
But why is it so hard? It's so easy for me to make fun of somebody or to take a shot at somebody. And yet that first act of kindness, getting over that hurdle is, it seems so difficult. Why, why is it that way? Again, it's because we are, we have to understand where the root cause is coming from. And you know, something I share, if you look at, and this is a problem that we have just as, as a society, if you look at a lot of the social issues going on in today's world, Many people or many entities approach it from the anti-approach. Even you yourself, right? You said anti-kindness, mm -hmm. right? It was anti-kindness. So, so give me a moment to help explain sure. this. So imagine, right? Different, different social issues, whether it's bullying or cyberbullying, whether it's drugs or whether it's war or violence. Many people approach these issues or depression from the anti-approach. Bullying, anti-bullying. Drugs, anti-drugs, war, anti-war, depression, anti-depression, utilizing negativity to fight against something negative, which does not work. This is not a math equation. Negative times negative does not give you positive here. You're actually misunderstanding the root cause of the problem. It's like, for example, if you have a jagged pole, metal pole sticking out of a wall, and it's a very narrow corridor, and people keep walking by this pole and they keep cutting their leg. And on the other side of the pole is the guy they're putting band-aids. He's putting, you know, sporn band-aids on all the people's... Forget the band-aids. Cut the pole off of the wall. Why are we constantly looking to put band-aids on problems as opposed to asking the question, well, why does it exist? Why is a person turning to drugs? Why is a person picking up that gun to begin with? Why is a person feeling so low? Why is a person taking shots at another person? Mm -hmm. And when you continue to ask the question of why, what you find is that it stems from a lack of self-value and self-worth. That that person looking at themselves in the mirror doesn't see something of value looking back at them. And it's very easy to take a shot at another in that case, right? Yeah. Because if you don't see your value, you won't see it in others. So you don't think it matters because you don't think your choices matter. So it really... To, to in order to prevent these things and i always ask the question imagine you have a scenario what if i told you two scenarios one you can give a meal to a homeless person that is really hungry on the street number two you can do something to prevent that same person from ever feeling hunger pangs to begin with which is better i think the second one is which better is right the, uh, everybody will say yeah. that but in reality in practice, we do the first one. In practice, we're doing the first one more than we're doing the second one. We see a problem, we react. Mm. As opposed to being proactive. What, we, what is needed to be done as a society, which is not easy, not for kids, not for adults, is to understand that we, as a person, we make a difference. And when we walk into a room, we create change just by, by us being who we are. Mm -hmm. If we can empower people in the positive way, and that's why kindness is great, because engaging in kindness validates you for the right reasons. We're living in a world of digital media, and I'm not bashing digital media, because without it, you and I would not be connecting right, right. now. And the kindness boomerang film would not have gone viral. Right. But we're also living in a world of digital media in which we're constantly being compared with others, or we're looking Right? Always looking at another person's account. How come he's so much more successful? How come his business idea got off the ground? I start at the same time with, as him and mine is the same concept and it's even better. We're constantly looking. We're constantly looking, comparing ourselves. What that does, when we look at the gap, it just crushes us. It makes us want to stop in our tracks. Mm -hmm. 
Like who is to looking at us? You are an entity. That's another, that's a different entity. Look in your own suitcase. It was packaged for you to go on the journey you're meant to go on, to bring into the world what you're meant to bring in. But if you're going to be continuously busy looking at all the other guys' suitcases, what's going on in there, mm -hmm. what's going on in the other one, you're going to forget to look at your own. You're going to miss the whole point. Because what they have, you don't necessarily need for your journey. We, and, and it's not easy to, be, to not judge one our, ourselves. It's not easy. But it's important that we, in, that we feed the most basic need, that sense of empowerment, that sense of purpose. And you have it not because you deserve it or not because you earned it. You have it just because you are. You're here. You have, you have it. And maybe you make a mistake yesterday and the day before, but your mistakes don't have to be who you are. You get to choose how you're going to paint your picture every single day. And the fact that you have air in your lungs is your proof that you need to be betting more on you. If the universe is betting on you, how are you not betting on you? The problem is, is that we sometimes see our mistakes. We see them as a representation of ourselves. We don't even feel that we're, we are worthy. And this is subconscious, subconsciously. Right. We don't even feel like we're worthy to be. But again, we have to, by understanding that inherent value, it makes it a lot easier. Is it easy to get that? Of course not. But it's essential. It's essential if we want to stop putting the band-aids on the legs and we want to just cut the pole off of the wall. We need to understand where is the cause. So what's the what's the first step if we're if we want to do this right? And people are going to be inspired after uh, after hearing our conversation. So what's the what's the first step for them? Is it so for, first step? I'm assuming is self awareness. Look in the mirror and determine how I feel about myself and understand that not only can I improve how I feel about myself, but I can also improve the world for others. What, what do you recommend when people, when people are inspired by the film or by the work that you're doing, what do you recommend they do as a first step? Gratitude. Okay. Gratitude is the first step to anything. I'll explain to you why. When you share the things that you're grateful for out loud, or even if you write them down, no matter how little you have, no matter how little you have, there, you always have something to be grateful sure. for. The more you express gratitude for the things in your life that you do have, even if it's like, I have my vision. Mm. Wow, I can see. I have this crazy lens in my eye and it lets me see things and even lets me refocus. I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty amazing. Okay. If you can start sharing and writing down, you can keep a journal, it could be on your phone, whatever it is that you're listing a few things, take on, take on a goal that is good for you, whether it's three things a day, five things a day, whatever it is, it shouldn't be too big. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, you always could dream big, but you got to think small, small steps to start recognizing what you do have. The more you look into your suitcase and you start recognizing what you're grateful for. Number one, the more reasons for gratitude will come your way and it will fill you because you'll already be, you'll feel that sense of abundance. Wow. Who knew I had so much? I thought I was like, you know, this lost case. I can't believe I have this. I have this. Look at how many things I'm able to list of all the things I have. That in itself helps to lift us up. And then we have the ability. And also, like I said, engaging in small acts of kindness also does help. We just want to make sure that when we're giving, we're giving from the, pro the positive place. We want to make sure that our giving doesn't leave us feeling depleted. Okay. Because being kind doesn't mean you're a doorstep for people. Mm -hmm. It does not mean that. I need to say that very, it's very important to understand that. 
the hardest people to do kindness for is the people right next to you. Is easy family. Yeah. The people right there by your side. This, the hardest people. This time of COVID, if anything, what it's what it's taught us is suddenly we weren't able to be out there. We couldn't be traveling, couldn't go to work. Suddenly we're like at home. Everything is we had to do what I like to call the work of the heart. And the work of the heart is the hardest work to do because it forces us to look at ourselves in the mirror and ask some difficult questions. Who is that person looking back at me? What are the character and values that I want to be known for in this world? How do I want to be remembered? Because at the end of the day, the thing that people remember the most, they're not going to remember the people that are the wealthiest and the bestest. The things that people remember the most are the ones who care. Those are the stories we tell and we retell over and over. Just like you shared the story about your son. Mm -hmm. You'll be telling that for years on end, and so will he. Mm -hmm. Those are the stories. And so we need to ask ourselves, who do I want to be? And not be afraid to look in the mirror, even if you're not going to see that person yet. But to understand that change, lasting change, happens slowly over time. None of this instant gratification. I know we're built into this world to believe in instant gratification. You press a button. If your phone suddenly makes this little turning signal, ah, yeah. oh, my phone's the worst phone. I got to get a new one. But real life, it's not about the instant gratification. Real change happens slowly. And it's about not being afraid to ask those questions. That itself will lift you, will empower you, and will allow you to then be able to engage with people in more positive ways. And like you said, once you start, once you start this giving spree, it's becomes, it becomes absolutely just addictive. But we have to remember again, the warning is make sure that your giving is coming from that positive place. Yeah. Be careful if it weighs into the negative one. Okay. So tell us about life best inside. Um, what, what is, what is your mission with the organization? What is it that you do and how can we help? Amazing. So Life Us Inside, so we're a nonprofit organization. Uh, I'm a full-time volunteer for the nonprofit. And basically the mission is to inspire, empower, and educate people of all backgrounds to lead a life of kindness. But like I mentioned, kindness is the tool. The core is really empowerment. And the way in which we do that um, is through inspirational media like film. We're constantly putting out uh, video collaborations, especially over this year of COVID. We've been doing loads of digital video collaborations that people can also take part in. We have one happening currently called a tribute to our elders where we're asking people to share in 10 to 15 seconds uh, the name of an elder that has left a valuable impression on them, what that, that lesson is, and to then expand on it for just 10 to 15 seconds or creating this amazing collaboration from people from around the world. So we do that regularly. So through inspirational media, uh, through education, we develop curriculum and implement to schools. Through leadership training programs, we have a leadership program uh, through our largest event called Dance for Kindness. This coming year, 2021, is going to be our 10th annual year. I cannot believe wow, it. Wow, that's great. It's uh, completely volunteer run. It happens in over 50 countries around the world, 120 cities each year, run by group leaders, run by volunteers, just like you and me, that want to make an impact and a difference. And they run the event in their, in their city, this amazing global kindness flash mob, and organize kindness-based activities in their city on that day. And they go through a leadership training program, which it's a, a way to, to incorporate theory and practice. So they're not only learning theory, but they're putting into practice through the event. But what they're learning are the tools, skills, and resources that they can tap into and utilize time and time again, even after the event, of how to take any big idea you have to create positive change and break it into its small parts. 
how to make it come into fruition. That's what the leadership training program is about. We also have, uh, we have two newsletters that go out, our daily kind that goes out Monday through Friday. Short, 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 uh, sort of like a, a short 30 second to kick off your day mm. because kindness is all about awareness, right? So somebody told you it's important to hold the door open, suddenly you're gonna start seeing it a little bit more. We become aware, our awareness is very important. So we have the daily kind, we have our kindness splash. All of these can be subscribed to on our website. And every Monday I put out um, something called the Kindness Kickoff where I do a reading from my book. I have a book called Kindness Boomerang. Mm -hmm. It's uh, 365 pages, one page a day with an act, uh, an inspirational quote, and then a short reflection on the power of paying it forward. Providing people with small tangible ways to start seeing and exercising our eye muscle to see the kindness opportunities that surround us. Uh, and and uh, last but not least, I mean, we have loads more initiatives, but last but not least, one of my very favorites, one of my very favorites is called Project Hope Exchange. Basically, it's a platform where people can listen, record or listen to 30-second anonymous audio messages of hope from people that have been through an adversity to others currently going through that same adversity. Oh, wow. So you leave your message, 30 seconds, it's anonymous. It's listened to by professionals in the field that place it into the right category. And there are three buckets, physical health, mental health, and life challenges. And then you can click and it has a whole list. It's all user generated. So if you click on physical health and you click, let's say on cancer, it'll sort through all the audio messages left by people that are either going through cancer, have gone through it, or have family members going through it. And you can listen to these 30 second nuggets of hope. Uh, such an amazing way. And you can go on and just leave a message. Uh, it's projecthopeexchange.com, but you could get to everything uh, through lifeestinside.com. Um, I mean, there are loads more ways to get involved, whether it be through our kindness challenge that we have going on, our monthly dance uh, dance parties that we're doing on a monthly basis. Our first one is, is coming up. Um, but again, people can uh, subscribe to our channels at Life Fest Inside, especially our YouTube channel. I would say we have loads of amazing videos there. Uh, so sign up for our newsletters. And of course, anyone is welcome to email me at orly at lifefestinside.com. And I'd be more than happy to direct them or to answer any questions that they may have. Uh, but I, I would highly recommend as resources, we have loads of resources on our website, whether it be the Kindness Boomerang book, our Acts of Kindness cards, our Catching Kindness cards. Um, they provide really great resources to, to start engaging in kindness in a, in a regular way. You would love our Acts of Kindness cards, actually. I'm going to get them. I'm getting the, I just wrote down the book. I'm getting the book. I'll get the cards, too. I'm, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm gonna go on and talk out. about adversity and everything. Yeah, They're that's great. Awesome. That's, that's terrific. They're awesome. They're really awesome. So you're you're as we're as we're speaking now. This is we're recording this. Uh, it's the it's the middle of February, 2021. Uh, this interview interview will be out in audio in a couple of weeks, and then video about a month later. You're in you're in Israel right now. Have you and have you been in Israel for the entire pandemic, or did you go over there mid pandemic? Or yes, I tell you about uh, th three years ago this March, I decided to come here for the year. It was just going to be an adventure. Okay. And I fell in love with the energy of the city. And I said, uh, if I could bring some positive, uh, positive vibes uh, here, then, then the rest of the world should be easy. So you're in, you're in, you're in Jerusalem now. I mean, but if there's, no, there's no mistake. You are a New Yorker. Like, I hear it. Having grown up, been born and raised my whole life in, in New York, you know, born in Brooklyn, I hear Brooklyn. I hear it. <laughs> so are you, how, long are you, how long are you staying there? How long are you going to be in Israel? So I tell you, this past March, right before COVID, I got my citizenship. 
Uh, so March 6th, I landed, and literally two days later, the, the entire country closed down. So it was a pretty crazy time to, to be moving. But um, yeah, I have my citizenship, and I'm living here now, uh, hoping to see my family. It's been almost a year since I have seen them. I miss them like crazy, but with uh, the airports closed and stuff like that, I'm hoping to get back there soon enough to give them all a big hug. Yeah. So do you, do you, I mean, everybody in Israel speaks English, but do you, do you speak Hebrew or no? Or they do? I do. I speak Hebrew. I mean, I, I, I grew up um, like in a, in a, in a school where half the day was English, half the day was Hebrew. Okay. So I speak Hebrew fluently. I was also a teacher as a middle school teacher. I was teaching uh, Bible studies. So I was teaching in Hebrew. Okay. And uh, I speak a little bit of Arabic, but my goal is to really learn it. To get, my goal is to be able to give a talk in Arabic. That's oh, the next wow. uh, language. Yeah, all my all, it's amazing to me. All my friends uh, from Israel, my friends who grew up in Israel, grew up speaking Arabic, and it was always. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I mean, it, I guess it shouldn't surprise me, but I was always surprised. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because um, their family most likely came from either Egypt or Syria. Like my mom was born in Egypt. Yeah. So my mom speaks Arab and Arabic fluently. Sure. So, so does my dad. And, you know, but uh, so generally if they came from the Middle Eastern countries, sure. which many of the many of the Jews in, in Israel have, they came from Middle Eastern countries, they're going to be speaking Arabic because that's what that's, uh, yeah. you know, no, it's a, what they grew up on. Yeah, very, very, very interesting. Okay, so lifevestinside.com, that's where you go. What is the, where, where you can, what's the, what's the, uh, the URL, the website again, where you can leave a message for someone who's going through something? Uh, projecthopeexchange.com. Okay, projecthopeexchange.com. We're going to put that in the show notes. I'm also going to put a link. We can get the book on Amazon, right? I'll put a I'll put a link to the book yeah, on Amazon. Yeah, you can get Amazon. it on Amazon 100%. Okay, perfect. So all that will be in the show notes. Let me tell you something, folks. If this hasn't inspired you, you need to call me and I will come over and beat some kindness into you because this has inspired me. I'm all fired up. I'm getting the cards. I'm getting the book. I'm going to go out and do something nice for somebody right now. So, Orly, thank you so much for being with us today. This was uh, this lived up to having been circled on my calendar for a couple of weeks. So thank you for the kindness you've shown us and hopefully the kindness that will be passed on to everyone else as a result. Thank you so much. I'm humbled and honored. All right, everyone, this has been the Inside BS on kindness and how it can be an advantage for you in your life. Please join us right back here again tomorrow for another edition of the Inside BS show. Until then, my name is Dave Lorenzo and here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life.